welcome back to another Tomless version of uh, the Fit Finance Sessions. As you can see, it's just Henry and I with you today. Um, we, well, actually this, this week we've got some new news for you, which is kind of interesting, quite market related. Um, but anybody I suppose who's turned on the TV in the last 24 hours would have seen, of course, coronavirus has reared its head, or is starting to rear its head across Europe, and particularly the UK, which of course has uh, stunned the market into a little bit of uh, a, a fear-based position, and, uh, and and things have started to take a little bit of a downturn. Um, so, you know, I mean, we've been chatting about this now for a good few, well, good weeks, really, months of, of this sort of thing as to how uh, how you know things will move forward um, with regards to the market having moved sideways for a large period of time, whether or not that will continue. Um, so, yeah, that's the main issue of what's gone on. Um, I've got a couple of other bits and pieces to mention, but Henry, do you want to chuck your two cents in with, with what you wanted to mention? Yeah, yeah, why not? That's what we're here for. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, no, it's been interesting, hasn't it? The um, So coronavirus looks like it's, t- it's going to go up a little bit. The cases are going up a little bit. Um, it's interesting. Um, the cases are obviously going up, but that's because testing capacity has gone up from whatever it was, 4,000 back in March to quarter of <laughs> today. So it'd be, it would be somewhat unusual if um, the cases didn't go up. But I suspect it's also, although actually we've had a very nice, um, a nice last three weeks in, in terms of weather. Um, and I think an awful lot of the original drive or the original theories were that caseloads go up when we all spend a lot of time inside so we're not, I'm not convinced that that's happened albeit I'm sure that lots of people mixing and going out with the help out to eat eat out help out that thing when we could go to restaurants in August on the cheap has um has probably pushed instant cases up a little bit um albeit I suspect mainly in in with the youngsters and living in Oxford um we had a whole load of the naughty Oxford Brooks students all having a big party last weekend, which made it onto the news. Um, and, and undoubtedly, you know, you only need one person there with, um, with the virus and it'll knock it around 150 people all at once. So it'll be interesting. And I, and I, I, I see why the government finds itself in a tricky place because I think inevitably um, they will have to be seen to, to you know, to, to form some sort of a lockdown just to, to stem the progression of this virus around people, which is, I think is right, but it's a, it's a tricky path they have to navigate. Um, yeah. One, keeping people safe, um, or keeping those that are, are, are significantly at risk safe, certainly, um, and also not completely choking off the economy, um, which, you know, is, it, you know, from right back in January, it was in a really good, great place. Now, of course, it's in, in a really, uh, a nervous place and it doesn't quite know where it's going or what's going to happen which I think you know you see in <clears throat> in the markets just this morning which have fallen best part of three and a half percent which is well I think it's written on a couple of things one is well one is that you know some of the banking the banking stories which I think you're going to talk about a set uh, which has certainly helped drive it down but the other is this fear that pubs are going to get shut and people aren't going to be able to go away at half turn um, which 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 certainly bothers me because you know very well, Tim. I love a drink. Um, I'm also planning to go away in half term. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it, it is a worry. 
it's interesting though, isn't it? Because as you say, the cases have, have gone up, but actually if you look at the deaths, um, I'm actually trying to find out on BBC's um, website this morning, but I can't for whatever reason. The cases well, have started to obviously clearly um, come back up, but actually the deaths are sort of in single digits. So you've got to ask, like, you know, yes, cases are around, but actually if it's not as lethal uh, anymore or uh, uh, at least now than, than it has been or whatever, then, then you know, surely that's got to be taken into account as to whether or not the lockdown is, is necessary or justified or not. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. But I think that's, that's really interesting. You know, you have a two-tier lockdown, which I don't think is so palatable, but those that are at risk or over, name and age, 80, 75, 70, 65, um, are isolate to a, to a greater degree than those who are, you know, 40 and below, which yeah. leaves me in an awkward position somewhere in the middle of that. Um, but yeah. let's not go on about my age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, there's a couple of interesting parts to it. I mean, I went um, on their site, actually, BBC. Well, no, no, sorry, it wasn't BBC. I can't remember where it was. I think it was in NHS now, actually, where, interestingly, if you've been diagnosed with COVID, 19 and then pass away uh, one month post your diagnosis. No matter what you die, you die of, it's classed, it, it goes down as a, as a COVID 19 death. Mm. Um, and actually, um, I think over the weekend I saw a stat where the amount of people that passed away since March um, without any underlying conditions at all uh, is somewhere in the region of 320, don't quote me on that, but around 300. So since March. So, you know, I mean, obviously, yes, luckily I don't have any blind conditions or anything like that, so it's easy for me to sit here and say that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, I suppose arguably the vast majority of the population doesn't, perhaps. So, uh, you know, for us to sit here or for the government to sit there and say it's such a widespread issue, um, that's, you know, there's a particular view to have, you know, to be a little bit more conservative about it. Well, yeah. The other thing that I think is quite interesting is the... Uh, so uh, the uptake of flu vaccine has been much greater this year um, than than normal normally. Um, uh, incidents of flu in the southern hemisphere. So you know where the southern hemisphere is. I don't need to describe yeah. that. <laughs> um, over the winter period has been significantly lower. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with the with the flu season in the northern hemisphere, because I suspect that. I suspect that a few things will come to play. One, of course, the, the vulnerable, an awful lot of that vulnerable population have passed away with, with COVID. Of the, of the, and the part of the population that you would expect to be hit by the flu um, when it comes around and to be very vulnerable to it. Um, and secondly, because we've got these social distancing measures in place now, and everyone's been told how to wash their hands and sing happy birthday twice and whatever else, but actually, I just wonder whether or not the transmission of flu um, this this winter, this autumn, this winter, will be as prevalent as it's been in the past. It'll be really interesting to see how they always talk about this excess death rate. Actually, whether or not the excess death rate this coming winter may be lower um, than it has been in the past, just because of these additional measures that people are taking um, to avoid coronavirus. Yeah, well, I think it'd be a reasonable expectation for it to be, wouldn't it? I guess so. As you say, more than yeah, you know, our, our life is so different, or well, this winter is going to be so different than um, than all the other ones. Mm. Yeah, no, I think so. It'll be really interesting. Anyway, we'll we'll find out.
Yeah. Report on it next April when the numbers are out. I bet no one can <laughs> barely, barely <laughs> hold your breath at that time. Very exciting. Hey, look, the only thing I was going to talk about, and it, it came to mind actually because um, I've just advised a client to um, take out his full quota of, he's selling a house, his full quota of um, premium bond accounts. Um, and last year, the last year, last week, uh, Bank of England uh, minutes came out from um, from their monthly meeting about what they should do with interest rates. And interestingly, they they've left the door open. I think is the journalistic phrase um, for for further reductions to interest rates. The interest rates at the moment are point one percent. So when they start talking about reducing them further, what they're really talking about is turning them negative, um, which is something we've never seen. Um, in the UK, um, it is. It's been. It's been very. It's commonplace in Japan for the last twenty years, um, and certainly in the European Union for the last five or six years, um, which comes with it all sorts of different problems. But one of the or problems or opportunities, probably more problems than opportunities, I would say. Um, but one of the certainly the problems that um, that I noticed was that national savings and investments have repriced um, their products. So NSNI. <clears throat> are the government bank essentially, and you can invest in inverted commas into NSNI through the purchase of premium bonds, commonly, which is a, a well known, but also they have income bonds and, and a direct save ISA and stuff like that. And the the rates on their direct ISA and income bonds have, are being pushed down from November to 0.1%, which is pretty much nothing at all. Um, and even on their premium bonds where they are where they typically make i think it's 3.2 million prizes a year um they're going to reduce the prizes to something like 2.2 million so it's about a third of the prizes are going to be lopped off um and i think the the current rate of return the average prize fund is 1.4 percent a year so i dare say that that when you reduce the number of prizes being paid and take into account the additional contributions that have been made to premium bonds over the year, which has been massive, that actually the rate of return will probably halve, I should think, down to sort of the mid 1%. Mm. Sorry, the mid 0%, so half percent to 0.75%, um, which is which is a darn shame because they're a cracking place to hold a little bit of money. Certainly, you're sort of emergency fund with that, um, with that potential upside of winning a million pounds. Sadly, none of my clients have won yet, but I'm, it, I'm sure it's going to happen soon. Uh, every premium bond owner ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, well, of course, yeah. I mean, in the um, that's less of a problem, I guess, um, than it has been historically because the inflation obviously is so low compared to where it was. So the, the gap between, obviously, interest rates and inflation is still relatively... Um, healthier. So I don't know what the last inflation figure is. I believe it's 0.9 of some, some reason that figure comes to my head um, in the UK at least. So uh, you're sort of on par with one another. But of course, the idea is to be growing one rather than just you know, tread water, obviously. Um, but um, yeah, more more fun to come then. I mean, that sounds like things. Fun to come. The, the other thing which I wanted to mention, of course, uh, which made the headlines sort of everywhere really this morning, is this, um, well, mainly HSBC, but the banking, a couple of naughty bankers 
uh, out there making headlines with this uh, release or leak of the FinCEN documents, which essentially is sort of more of the same of that uh, old age of, of bankers uh, letting fraudsters move their money, their, their millions around, um, which also sounds like, well, of course, that happens, Tim, but um, not quite to, to this degree. I believe it's over a trillion dollars, which over the course of 20 years, I think, um, has been moved around. So culprits, namely Standard Chartered Barclays, uh, sorry, HSBC, uh, Standard Chartered, uh, Deutsche Bank, of course. Uh, Deutsche Bank, of course. <laughs> but they're, they're, because they're always, you know, it's always HSBC and Deutsche Bank. I think, I think it, there was even a Netflix um, uh, episode done on HSBC. I think it's called Dirty Money. If uh, yeah. anybody, don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen it? I haven't, no. It's about their link to um, Mexican cartels. Uh, yeah. How they, you know, they're companions, as it were, um, or compadres, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's, I think that's probably a large driver in, in the sinking of the foot of today. Um, that in obviously combination with the, uh, with the fear of, of COVID, but yeah, more of the same, really. Not too much to discuss on that, to be honest, actually. And like I said, it's really just more of a, a statement, isn't it? It's just more of the same. Um, I think they've come back to the reports of the leaking of it and their comments have just been, uh, you know, great, but this is sort of, you're just reporting on something which has happened in the past and we've you know, invested hundreds of millions into our compliance systems, etc. So, um, you know, you can't slap my hand type of thing. It's, uh, you know, we've turned it around, Joe, type thing. Um, but yeah, interesting, interesting point. Yeah, yeah, quite. It'll be, I, I, I... It's one of these things that you know um, that, that banks just lose trust with their with their clients, and and it's these sort of stories that make them lose their trust and that make them lose trust. Um, and and actually, sort of slightly linked into what I said earlier, you know, there's stories in the papers over the weekend about uh, banks reducing or removing the idea of a free current account. Um, because it no longer becomes affordable with interest rates at the level they're at. And you just wonder these sort of, you hear these stories in the press of banks shying away from their money laundering requirements or their, their money laundering obligations. And, and you do lose trust in them. And then actually when your bank comes to you the next time around and says, we're gonna charge you now a fiver a month just so you can hold your money with us. It does sort of, uh, bring into focus actually what is the point of a bank and are they doing it in the right way and should there be a much greater overhaul of the, of, of the banking system or perhaps you know we end up going down a much more uh, digital route and perhaps we're seeing already um, it's a much larger question I think than than you were driving at but where yeah. what do, you know it's a what does banking look in 20 years time do, what does banking look like in 20 years time um, and I suspect significantly different to, to, to the industry that we see today. No, for sure. Um, I'll be able to say, I think you're right, I think more digitally um, would be the answer. I mean, I think that's what the BOJ and um, uh, the Bank of America even uh, have said, the Fed have said, you know, the digital dollar is potential. You know, is potential. Uh, I think China has said something along those lines as well. Uh, so there's, there's conversations about it. Um, but yeah, of course, I mean, look at the the majority of people out there, you know, having a bank account is sort of twofold, isn't it? One convenience rather than having all your, your cash or whatever physically in the house, 
two, obviously, um, security off the back of that, not having all the cash in the house, and three, in the hope that you actually earn a little bit of, you know, a couple of quid off the back of it. Um, whereas if there's no interest rates and actually going to pay for the benefit of having that uh, happen in the security, then, you know, when we see a, a little bit of a rise in cash holders, people think, oh, do you know what, sod it, I'll just, uh, sorry, excuse my French. Um, you know, just pull my money out and have it in the house who, under the mattress. We'll go back to old times. I don't think it would be quite as fair as that, but you know, um, some people may have Sorry? Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, or Bitcoin. But well, they, well, they definitely won't like that. But they'll, they'll spin their own version of it, won't they? Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Well, have you got anything else you want to mention? Or I think uh, no, talk. not today, Tim. You, you have wiped me out of my weekend reading. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. Perfect. Okay. Well, um, thanks very much for listening. And of course, if you've got any views, comments, anything like that, um, of course, follow them at us. Do your worst. And um, we'll be more than happy to engage. Thanks very much.